This show is being brought to you in part by Magic Financing, featuring Mago the Magician. They can help you get auto financing for anything in business for over 32 years. Magic Financing is dedicated to customer satisfaction. If you've got credit issues, they have the answer. No matter what your profile is, they can help. They work with people who have fair, bad, or just terrible credit, repayment history, as well as people who have no money down. That's right, no money down. They're located at 6385 North Federal Boulevard with a great auto inventory. Give them a call at 303-298-1155. That's Magic Financing. Features Mago the Magician. They're open Monday through Friday until 8 and Saturdays till 7. Check them out. That's Magic Financing. Call them today at 303-298-1155. Tell them you heard about it here at KUHSDenver.com. Also visit us at www.magicfinancing.com. Good afternoon and welcome to the council. I'm your host, Charlie Pacello, and boy, do we have a great show for you guys today. Uh, I just want to thank my sponsor real quick, Magic Financing. If you need a car in Colorado, these are the guys to go to. They will help you if you're having trouble with financing and not being able to uh, buy a new car. These guys will help you. They'll work with you. They'll make sure that they're able to get you a car of your dream. So go to magicfinancing.com. Tell them Charlie sent you and ask for Maurizio. He'll take care of you. Uh, Folks, uh, I also want to make sure that you know that uh, I have a new book out. It's called Meditations with Masters of the Axial Age. And it's a book that uh, a lot of people are buying. And you can buy it for the holidays. You can get it on Amazon.com, StoreBookBaby.com, Barnes & Noble. And it is an introduction into the mysteries of the soul. Uh, You're going to get to meet like people like Socrates and Lao Tzu and the Buddha and others who were all part of this really amazing period called the Axial Age, which was a profound philosophical, spiritual transformation that was going on in four different regions of the world. And they were virtually all coming to the same conclusions. Uh, about treating others the way you want to be treated and that we need to go through suffering in order to get enlightenment and how to cultivate the soul. And so this is a book, it's a workbook that helps you to understand uh, the truths that you need to look at inside of you to be able to understand how you work, how to cultivate courage and, and, and temperance and other virtues in your life how to be able to calm your mind down and why you need to do that and to understand the way, you know, the way of heaven. That was what Lao Tzu was talking about. So it's called Meditations with Masters of the Axial Age. It's a fantastic book. People love it. And it's something that I I wrote from from my heart. And so check it out. It's the holidays. It's a great, great holiday gift. Um, Today we are going to be honoring our vets. for many, many years, I worked with an organization called Soldier's Heart, uh, and we were doing some extraordinary work helping veterans to overcome and heal from PTSD and moral injury and other war-related injuries that come from being a, a part of service. And we would take them through this process of moving through the different stages of the return. Uh, the return journey home for veterans is often the, very, is the hardest. Uh, veterans hear the call to serve their country, 
uh, for, to serve in, in, in times of need, and then they go through a transformation. They go through this, uh, this meeting with the darkness. They go into places where they are confronted with uh, some of the horrors and destruction and violence of, of, of life, and they are, are entered into the underworld, as we would call it. And once you engage in that underworld uh, trauma and that sense of being separated from yourself, you... The coming back home is the hardest part, and that's why you find so many veterans, when they come back, they don't seem to fit in. They don't seem to be able to, to uh, find their way in life that helps them to say, you know, I'm different, and, but the world around me is not different, and how, how, do I, how do I reconnect? How do I get back into life? And so many veterans end up leaving, you know, they, they, because they're so afraid that uh, the, the triggers that they have, the flashbacks that they have, uh, could injure the people that they love. They don't seem to be uh, accepted in this in this society anymore, and so they leave and they go up into remote areas and they find other veterans that are there and they just they they stay there and not having an opportunity to be able to release and let go of and assimilate the things that have happened to them. You know, there's a process that we did in Soldier's Heart, and we'll continue to do in future um, modalities as we move into the next year but where we tended and isolated to heal our wounds together. And then we accepted our destiny. And then we did a purification and cleansing part where you, you went through these rituals in order to cleanse your soul, in order to cleanse your, your, your experience and being able to commune with nature and being able to commune with uh, uh, the sacredness of life, to reconnect to the sacredness of life. And then you go into storytelling and confession, where you're able to be surrounded by a community of witnesses that were able to hold the space together and without any judgment and allow you to be able to release and to, to let go of one of those stones that you were carrying and to, and to be able to drop that so that you're no longer carrying it on your own. You're carrying it together. We're carrying it with you. And then from that point, you're going into restitution into the community. You're helping out. You're getting outside of yourself. You're getting back into service of something better. You're creating. You're, you're building. You're, you're helping the, the younger ones to be able to mature and to take that wisdom that you've gained into, into their lives. And it's all part of the completion of the return journey, which was the initiation into being an elder warrior, where you carry both the light and the dark. You carry the, 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 the sacredness of life, and you also carry the horrors of this life, and you carry it in yourself and this wisdom that you're able to imbue others with this sense of something that is magnanimous and beautiful and is able to give us to the society, back to the society, the wisdom and the understandings and the life lessons that can carry the society to be better, to use our warriors better, to use uh, war as a last resort, to be able to have those kinds of understandings that help the society to grow together. But we've kind of cut ourselves off from that, and a lot of warriors and a lot of soldiers and a lot of airmen and a lot of other Navy uh, seamen, uh, they're not allowed to be able to make that connection again. And so they're lost. And so we're here today to talk with two veterans that are doing the work that are continuing that same kind of rites of passage and are helping other veterans to be able to overcome PTS and moral injury and the things that trouble them, those invisible wounds of war that are really making a difference. So I'd like to introduce to you two of my esteemed guests, Ryan uh, Milkerick 
He's a servant leader and a CB veteran with three tours to Iraq. He is an advocate and practitioner of holistic healing, whether that be storytelling, dramatic arts, or guiding nature-based rites of passage. His work in the veteran space has included volunteering on the leadership team with the Seattle Stand Down, co-chairing the King County Veterans Consortium, leading a service platoon with the Mission Continues, and wrangling veteran families to participate in Seattle Repertory Theater Public Works performances. Ryan is a graduate of the Growing Veterans Peer Support Program, the WVA Veteran Peer Corps Mentor Training, and was initiated home at the Veterans Right of Return in 2017. He's a Master of Public Administration from Seattle University, focused on increasing federal investment for Native American and Alaskan Native military veterans. He is always on mission with Shelter Box as a response team member for international disaster relief. And we have Mark Orofsky, a 14-year Army infantry veteran, experienced profound healing and change during a vision quest in the Kingston Mountains of California. Prior to this experience, Mark struggled to find meaning and purpose after military service. He suffered from a litany of symptoms related to PTS, including suicidal thoughts. His powerful experience in the wilderness paved the way for deep healing, a reconnection to self, renewed purpose, and a solid sense of identity. He is inspired to bring this experience to other veterans and people with similar backgrounds. Mark began this endeavor in founding and building Victory Farm in Olympia, Washington, a small-scale urban agricultural program aimed at reconnecting veterans with nature and community through the growing and sharing of organic produce. He trained with Rites of Passage, Vision Quest, and the School of Lost Borders as a guide, is certified in applied suicide intervention training, and brings his unique perspective and set of experiences to the Veterans Right of Return model. Their website is www.veteransrights.org. That's V-E-T-E-R-A-N-R-I-T-E-S dot O-R-G. That's veteranrights.org. Gentlemen, welcome to the show. Thank you, Charlie. Excited to be here, Charlie, and honored. Thank you. Well, it's an honor to have you both. And, and, you know, we've had a little bit of time to be able to kind of talk about you guys' experiences and history in the military. And before we dive into our discussion today, I'd love for you both to share a little bit about your stories, where you served, and what compelled you to find an alternative modality to bring healing to the wounds you received from your war experience. As a natural CB, Charlie, I'm going to let Mark take the lead on this one. <laughs> okay. I'm in support. Oh, that's funny. I was actually going to let you take the lead, Ryan. <laughs> uh, let's see. Uh, a little of my story. My story starts off in Trenton, New Jersey. I grew up in a socioeconomically challenged area. Parents of, uh, you know, a little bit of abuse, some neglect, and that good kind of stuff. A colorful uh, area of the world. Uh, was a lot of stuff going on, and a lot of it heading in the wrong direction. So. Uh, the military for me very became, quickly became my way out. It became my mother, my father, my coach, my guide, my mentor, uh, and all the things that I needed that were lacking in childhood. Um, <clears throat> I started off at Fort Benning, Georgia, uh, served on Kelly Hill for a number of years, went over to Korea, and this is uh, 97 to 2001. Had a deployment in there to Kuwait, uh, Saudi Arabia, Bahrain, and Qatar 
for Operation Intrinsic Action. I hopped out for a little while, uh, did a three-year uh, break as a National Guard service member, and then back into the military in 2004 uh, as an infantryman over to Germany, uh, from Germany over here to uh, Joint Base Lewis McCord, and from Joint Base Lewis McCord over to Afghanistan, uh, 2009 to 2010. Uh, so that's a little bit about where I've served uh, and, and what got me to here. And then what compelled me to find an alternative modality uh, for healing my wounds? And I, and I think the simple answer to that is uh, that upon exiting military service, I took the directive that I was given to get a job and to go to school, and neither of those two worked. Uh, they worked for a short period of time, and when the honeymoon phase wore off, I found myself depressed, isolated, uh, suicidal, contemplating why I was still on the planet, unable to connect with uh, anyone at all. And feeling lost at sea uh, with, without a life preserver in stormy waters with gray clouds and rain and hail and everything beating me down under the water. So I felt like I was drowning. Mm -hmm. uh, I turned to the VA. The VA gave me a bunch of drugs. I turned to the VA. They gave me a square room with fluorescent lights and a counselor. Um, and so I tried those things for as long as I possibly could. Mm -hmm. um, and, and they didn't work. I got tired of, of, of the drool dripping off my chin at 1.30 in the afternoon uh, from the medication. I got tired of the inauthentic uh, square box with fluorescent lights and the individual sitting on the opposite side of a desk. Um, and I felt like I had deep wounds that, that, that weren't being addressed and a need to be vulnerable that wasn't being supported. So that. I believe is what led me to begin seeking alternative uh, modalities of healing. Mm. Well, and that makes you know, and, and uh, you know, feeling that sense of uh, you know, this is not working, whatever it was not working for you, and I think that that leads a lot of veterans to say, you know what, I have to try something new. Uh, Ryan, could you share a little bit of your story as well, please? Uh, absolutely. Uh, and I think it's pretty similar uh, to a lot of people that enter military service. We come from um, a background uh, entrenched in a hard work ethic, but probably not a lot of stability. So, uh, you know, my mother scrubbed Vegas uh, toilets at a Vegas hotel. My grandfather uh, was the boy mechanic. Mm -hmm. And so I grew up uh, within that environment, um, uh, roofers and hard workers. Uh, but I had to move a lot. So I moved 18 times by the time I was 18. I had a lot of love, but not a lot of stability. And I was uh, supposed to be the golden child to get our family and move, move us to the next rung of society and go to college. So I tried that, uh, but I brought Vegas with me. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, you know, I, uh, and I thought I was going to be a theater major. I was the last guy to join the military, actually. You know, like mm -hmm. I was a theater major. I thought I was going to be Brad Pitt. I ended up being Brad Smith. That's all right. <laughs> um, you know, uh, but I realized, you know, I went to a Jesuit university, Marquette University in, in the middle of America, and, and realizing that I was always seeking for some sort of a brotherhood and to be part of a team. And I didn't find that in Vegas, and I found it a little bit in college, but not to the depth. And then after 9-11 hit, um, I, I figured I, I should give this a shot. Mm -hmm. um, I wanted to be part of the action, and uh, I did. Uh, so I ended up being a, a CB, uh, you know, that's support. You know, I was in a lot of hot zones, but I wasn't a door kicker, you mm -hmm, know. Mm -hmm. And so I did, um, I was in Kuwait. We did the largest construction project, um, I think, since World War II. 
uh, building um, uh, a parking lot for, for F-18 jets, and then was in the initial push uh, up to Baghdad um, as we entered the war, uh, set up um, Camp Fallujah, and then Ramadi as well, and did some combat outposts um, out near the Saudi Arabian border. Uh, so it was three tours within five years, uh, but I was stationed in Gulfport, Mississippi, uh, with NMCB 74, and bought my house, you know, three months before Katrina, and that got wiped out as well. So, so someone without stability, and attempting to find it, um, it, it was a rough go of five years. And I got out because uh, my mother had breast cancer uh, here up in Seattle, and I wanted to come be with her. And, you know, I, as with everything dark and light. Um, I love my military service, mm -hmm. and I met some of the most beautiful people um, in the world. Uh, but when I got out, I realized that, uh, you know, I was still on mission, and I was on mission for the next 10 years, you know, um, volunteering in any way with, that I could find purpose with yeah. the Seattle Stand Down, uh, with the mission continues. With all, I have all the T-shirts, and a lot of us do. And I realized that, uh, you know, as my LinkedIn account uh, grew and my Facebook likes and everything looked beautiful, if you looked on the social media channels, as a lot of us do in the, in the veteran space, that uh, many nights I was uh, one drink or one uh, decision away that was definitely not in line with my values from ending it all. Yeah. 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 And then I met this crazy guy. Uh, <laughs> I think this is a good part of the story. I went down. So I was doing some volunteering. I was like, there's got to be a better way. Because mm -hmm. uh, I was working within the social, uh, the structures within uh, homelessness and affordable housing, and, and realizing the insanity of the systems that we live in, and getting back, really missing the sacred, um, heartfelt, authentic relationship. And being a kid from Vegas, you know, I didn't know really what nature was. It was kind of this thing over the horizon, right? Mm -hmm. uh, so I go down and I met this guy, uh, Mark Oroski, because I was going to take over for a mission continuous platoon. And I got inside the car, and he looked at me and he said, hey, bro, are you in this for the money? And I said, yeah, bro, definitely. For that, like, $400 a month, I'm all about the money, man. This is why I'm here. <laughs> and so I realized that at that moment, I was like, this is a brother. Mm -hmm. Like, he, uh, he gets it. Um, uh, it's from the heart. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And so uh, we've been on a journey ever since, uh, and he pulled me out to the land. You know, he had, he, had a, he had a beautiful vision. And, you know, I'll go, I can go into that a little bit later, but it was out on that land uh, where I finally claimed my belonging in the wilderness. Mm -hmm. um, it incorporated all the practices and modalities that I've been uh, working with over a period of years, uh, working with uh, homelessness outreach and theater and just bringing veterans into the wholeness of their being mm -hmm. and gave me language and form for healing that you know what was just ancient was an ancient and something that I knew all along but was presented to me so and it set me on this new path and that's why we're sitting here today that is so brilliant and yeah it you know something that um, when you're out in the land when you're out in nature when you're out communing with uh, the, the the animals and the plants and all that so there is something that it does to you and we're going to get into that just a little bit of how that kind of uh, just being connected to the life around you is so healing in itself. But I want to make sure that we talk, you know, in your opinions, guys, when you were in the military, did you, you both heard the call for, uh, for military service, right, Mark? Uh, do you think yes, you were sir. adequately prepared, in your opinion, uh, for the mental and emotional strain that combat deployments demand on our soldiers and airmen? 
Yes and no. Uh, as as for, from from operating from this space here, mm -hmm. the head, not the heart, but just the head. The, the cerebral facts or the asset or I'm sorry, the cerebral components of war. Yeah. Yes, I when I spent 14 years married to the infantry, so I lived, slept, ate, and shat infantry training right. and infantry <laughs> skills. Uh, and we, we, you know, redundancy and rep repetition so that when the stuff actually does happen, uh, it's a it's it's a reaction and it's moving into a standard operating procedure. All of those things I felt like I, you know, prepared me uh, for, for the rigors of war. Mm -hmm. um, and no, I was absolutely not prepared for the soul-based and spiritual impacts of shrapnel and, and, and what happens... Um, you know, you know, that's completely separate from our training. It's, it's not included, right? Yeah. Like battery's not included. You know, we don't dig into that box. That's <laughs> something that, that right. you know, away and, and we're told like, like families, we weren't issued feelings, we weren't issued families, so therefore we, you know, can't, can't dive into that. Um, so I, I hope that answers the question. Yes, in the way of training and, and, and completing things time and time again uh, to create uh, a reaction and know um, for what came after. Yeah, I think one of the things that, you know, it could really help, and one of the reasons why I wanted to ask you, Mark, that question is because I think a lot of the times people that come in, and we're young men and women that come in and very patriotic and love our country, and, and, and that's a high calling to serve in that way. But we're not given the, you know, the, 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 the life stories that actually happen to really prepare you on that emotional heart level that says, all right, this is what you're going to face. This is what's what the reality is, okay? You're going to see this, and you've got to be strong enough on this side to be able to take care of it. And you've got to know some self-care uh, you know, uh, tools or something so that you can work through this and understand that th this is how you're going to be able to get through it. And I would love, you know, uh, you know, some way, sometime in the future where they would have a way for young, young airmen and soldiers to be able to talk to veterans who've been there so that they could really grasp the gravity of what it means to go to war, what it means to really get into combat. Now, Ryan, what did, uh, for your service, did you feel prepared? Were you adequately prepared for what you had to do? <laughs> How could you? <laughs> yeah. You know, um, you said some amazing words right there. I just want to pull back, and you said what it's like to go to war, and so what you are talking about um, is outlined and referenced in, in Karl Marlantis book, you know, what it is like to go to war yeah. and saying this, um, how to come into circle, how to get to the heart, how to do conflict resolution, how to acknowledge and be vulnerable. Um, that's culture shift. And so I would say, you know, as Mark alluded to, uh, you know, a lot of times our military becomes our mother, our brother, our father, our aunt, our, our grandparents, all of it, our systems. And that, we as a culture in general don't know how to do that. Mm -hmm. And so, no, I wouldn't be prepared because most people that are joining the military uh, don't know how to have those conversations even within their own families. Yeah. And then that's what we've lost. And so, um, yes, I absolutely agree. Uh, the, the U.S. Navy prepared me uh, to go to war in a, in a lot of number of ways. Um, and I think it is also should be noted that, you know, we learn a lot and learn how mm -hmm. to work with different types of people that come from all over the country and have to come into community really quickly. Mm -hmm. And so there are a lot of wisdom and gifts in that that you receive from that. Um, 
but certainly the uh, two weeks of resume prep and the pat on the butt uh, before you hit the gates and exit is certainly not enough as a preparation to come back and reorder the soul shift that happened, right. uh, the apostasis and the hero's journey, right, to come back into fullness of being. And I would not expect that the Department of Defense to provide that service for us. It would be beautiful if it was the case. <laughs> but we, starting starting with my own family and my own heart and my own friendships and relationships is, is the place to go. But I think we're moving towards that by just having this conversation today. I, I absolutely agree. And, and it is, uh, you know, we... We tend to neglect that aspect in itself, inside of us that uh, is called the soul. And, uh, and all these ancient traditions, they recognize that you had to heal the soul of the soldier and the warrior that went to war. And you had to do it in a certain way. And, you know, I think uh, from my perspective, a lot of times, you know, I, there was a lot of things that I loved about the military. You know, I mean, I loved the, my, the friendships and the camaraderie and the people that I met. And there was a lot of sense of holding yourself to a higher standard and, and willing to sacrifice yourself for, some, for a noble reason, a noble purpose, all those things I absolutely loved about it. What I didn't like is the thing that, you know, there are there's parts of us that get lost in this thing when you realize that what you're doing causes killing. What you're doing is causing people to die. And uh, if we're not being able to prepare our souls for those deep wounds that come about, we're not helping our soldiers and our warriors to deal with the realities of war in a healthy way. From your both experiences uh, and what you've gone through for our country, uh, the sacrifices that you both have made for our freedoms and our liberties, uh, what could we do better to prepare our warriors for the challenges that they're going to face if they ever go to war? Mark, I'll ask you first. Yeah. You know, Charlie, I, 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 th I think that you, 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 you hit the nail on the head uh, a moment ago when you talked about having veterans of, of, of previous wars going and speak to and or in other ways facilitating training for yeah. new recruits and people that are in the military who have not deployed, who have not gone to combat. Uh, I, I think that that would be a, a tremendous first step. Mm -hmm. um, I, I think that another... Uh, I, I'll leave it at that for the moment. Okay. What about you, Ryan? Yeah, you know, I, for, for, for me, form is really important. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, the structure of council, right, um, gathering up in circle, um, shared space is, is, for me, the form and the practice, just as much as ceremony that we'll talk about out there uh, that needs to be spread out in community. It should be just as easy to find a council out in community as it is an AA meeting, right? Yeah. For people to come into shared solidarity and get to the heart level and not just a veteran sharing their experience, but having civilians share theirs as well mm -hmm. and connect to that same level that we all have suffering and that we all have pain, that we just do not know how to be in relationship with one another. Mm -hmm. And so I think that if this practice, uh, even within, you know, boot camp training and, and and within AIT and with all these other structures that practice and form of counsel um, could could be something that be carried in relationships out of service in organizations on the job site uh, to, to maximize you know getting back to the heart level and healing and productivity to be quite honest so mm -hmm. yeah well and, and the reason I ask you guys that is it is just because if you look at um, our, our, our suicide rate in, in, in veterans, it's pretty high. 
And so we've got to be able to start looking at it from a preparatory aspect of when you're getting new recruits and how to be able to make sure that they're looking at it from the, a whole integrated system and, and treating the whole person and preparing them correctly because our suicide rate is out of control in the veteran community. Um, thousands of veterans all across the nation, you know, these wounds of wars, they still haunt them, folks, uh, sometimes for decades. Uh, and this leads very often to alienation, isolation, disconnection from the society in which they served. And the return journey is the hardest part. And many don't make it. And according to an article in the Stars and Stripes magazine dated September 20th, 2019, the VA says veteran suicide rate is 17 per day. In 2019, this, the 2019 report includes data from 2017, the most recent available. In 2017, more veterans died by suicide than the previous year. There were 6,139 veteran suicide deaths in 2017, an increase of 129 from 2016. The report shows that suicide among vets continues to be higher than the rest of the population. Firearms were used in 70% of veteran suicides in 2017. The highest rate was among young veterans, ages 18 to 34. In 2017, there were 44.5 suicides for every 100,000 veterans in that age group. While younger veterans had the highest rate, older veterans, ages 55 to 74, had the greatest total number of suicides in 2017. Older veterans accounted for 38% of all vet suicides that year. We're failing these vets, clearly. Gentlemen, uh, and I'll start with Mark, when you hear these statistics, why do you think these statistics remain so high and what can we do about it? How can we get the government and the VA to realize that what they are doing is not working and being open to new ideas that actually are having profound results. The statistics remaining high. I mean, they're not, they're, you know, I, I wish we could include some, uh, some Vietnam statistics in there also. I think we lost roughly, you know, 58,800 58, and some odd folks, and I may be off slightly in the numbers, uh, to actual physical fighting in Vietnam, and yet uh, since, since coming home have lost over 250,000 uh, to suicide. Wow. 250,000? Yes. Oh, my God. Let that sit for a minute, because this isn't new information. Like, the, 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 the VA not knowing and, and, and our institutions not knowing that they're not succeeding, that's, it, it, it's, it's been this way. I mean, we could go back and, and, and look even further back into other wars and see what the, the rates of uh, self-harm and suicide are, and, and we'll find the same results. So, uh, you know, from my perspective as a human being embodied in the, on the planet, the reason that we're failing is because we continue to repeat the same modalities over and over again, expecting different results, and we get a bunch of Western mentality, head-driven people uh, doing what they think is best, you know, mm -hmm. and they say that the road to hell is paved with good intentions. Well, we got a lot of, there's a wide fucking road to hell paved with good intentions from Western mindsetted folks, right? Mm -hmm. We got to get out of the books. We got to get out of the college classrooms. We got to get out of what the best practices are and the, and, and all that 
flopping nonsense about uh, what was that you were talking about earlier, Charlie? Uh, uh, the which one? What's, the, that, what's that? Best practice. Oh, practice. we're gonna get into that. At, at, at evidence-based practices. Evidence, yeah, evidence well, that shit. Right. Because the evidence, the evidence clearly indicates that the evidence-based practices are are failing. They're failing. So, the reason, the reason yeah. that I keep talking about this thing up here. Okay, and I'm not going to speak specifically, but one of my mentors often reminds me. He says, Mark, the greatest distance that any human being will ever travel in one lifetime is from here to here and back. Mm -hmm. Over the course of human history, more specifically in our Western society here in the United States of America, we have moved around or moved away from traditional rites of passage as marking points or, or, or ways of honoring the transitions inherent in being alive. Mm -hmm. We've done it with birthday parties and balloons. We've done it with college graduations and everyone standing in rectangles or seated in rectangles with someone speaking on a podium. We've done it with all of our military ceremonies. We've done it with the silly New Year's Eve celebrations in all the squares around the world. We've moved away from this heart-centered mm -hmm. rite of passage modality and into this head-centered cerebral rite of passenger ceremony. Mm -hmm. And that's where we're failing, mm -hmm. right? Healing doesn't take place in a square room with fluorescent lights and or a handful of medications. Mm -mm. Healing takes place when deep vulnerability is possible, when our asses are planted somewhere way out in the middle of nowhere, mm -hmm. amongst nature, barefooted on the earth, with the forces of nature around us and the safety of nature around us, mm -hmm. allowing us the opportunity to get vulnerable in a way that does not and will not happen in the Western box with fluorescent light. Well, I, I absolutely agree with you, Mark. I mean, you know, the whole concept, the idea that you got these fluorescent lights doing this, you already feel it's it's not it's like sterilized. I mean, it's not a, it's not a conducive for that. You're not allowing yourself to be able to open up. These are wounds to the heart. It's not to the brain. Yeah, the brain is remembering it. It changes the way the brain functions. The, there's neural networks that have been assigned to that trauma. You'll be able to it, it flashes into you. You think you're reliving it, but the wound is right here because you've been it, it, it goes against the right way inside of you. And you've got to be able to bridge your mind and your heart back together again. But if you're locked into a room and people are just giving you pills, you are not helping them, and it increases the likelihood. Once you give people SSRIs, you increase the likelihood of suicide when they get off of them because of the withdrawal. Yes, Charlie. Just to just just to kind of complete what we're both here talking about. Yeah. Moving out of this headspace and into this space right here is acknowledging that I have a heart. Mm -hmm. It's acknowledging that I have feelings. It acknowledges that I am wounded. It acknowledges that I have a soul or a spirit as I so choose to define it. And that's the disconnect between our current modalities here in the United States uh, and, and what's possible to create deep and long-lasting impacts in the way of healing and symptom reduction and overall well-being over a long period of time. It's the distance between the head and the heart. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. 
Ryan, what do you have to say about this as well? I mean, or, I mean, what? Do, I mean, this is just like it pisses me off. This is a bunch of shit, and this has been going on too long. And we've got to do something different. I mean, how do we how do we get people to wake up to these new ways of doing things that can actually make a difference? Yeah, it's insane. It's insane, and we're perpetuating insane systems because we're insane. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. So I would not expect the Department of Defense or the VA to be most interested in bringing humans into the wholeness of their being where they can be vulnerable, where they need to be uh, primed and ready to succeed and, and, and finish the mission, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Uh, one of my favorite quotes, uh, it's by, I think, Michael O'Brien. It says, you know, um, the quality of the intervention will only be as successful as the internal condition as the intervener, right? Mm. Meaning... Before we go to the military, just in society today, and Mark hit it head on, these ancient rites of passage, we don't even have that within our daily practice uh, of our relationship to the sacred, mm-hmm. right? So when I hear these numbers, I also think about, you know what? Two-thirds of those veterans that are committing suicide aren't even connected to VA services. That's right. So when you talk about when you talk about investment in the VA, it's, you know, and there are there is some quality care in the VA, and I, I, I want to make sure that we... We have that as well, mm-hmm. but we are meeting people where they are at, right? In ways that are responsive to them. And whether it's one veteran in one circle and one ceremony at a time, this is a societal thing. This isn't just a veteran thing, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. That we as a society and within our families do not know how to communicate and be in relationship and vulnerable with our heart. Mm-hmm. So not only are we trying to bear the burden of service and, 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 and going out and serving our country, we're actually trying to elevate consciousness and healing. And Thich Nhat Hanh has a really great quote about this. If veterans themselves, having done that work, can come back into society and heal, they are the wisdom keepers and the medicine for society and our world. Yes. Right? Yes. And unfortunately, we will bear the burden of that. And you know what? That's fine. We're used to it. You know, and we are, and that's why veterans have to reach out to veterans and say, we found a different way. Come join us. Come join us. Come find us. Come do this. Break away from the, the being locked up into that, because you're right. We, Thich, Thich Nhat Hanh, I love him. I can't say his name right now, but he is right about that. We are the wisdom keepers. We are the ones that have so much to give to our culture and our society and, the, and to improve the consciousness of, of the world, but we've got to heal our wounds. Um, Mark, how did you you started Veterans Rights? How did Veterans Rights come to be? I'm going to answer that. I just want to add one more piece, if that's all right. Sure, absolutely. Yeah. So, so I love Ryan. Thank you for bringing in Thich Nhat Hanh. You know, the the, the model that we use, uh, you know, obviously it's been used for tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands, of years around the world. Yeah. Uh, and and. Um, There's a particular book that lays out our model very well, uh, and it's called The Roaring of the Sacred River. And somewhere very, very early on, it talks about how our current society has uh, introduced this way of being where we are the individual suffering from something. Mm -hmm. We have the problem and we take our problem to the provider to find the solution. Mm -hmm. Right. Our model's not like that. Our model is saying, oh, you have some challenges and some things that you need to overcome and some healing that needs to happen. 
let's all go out to the wilderness together so that you can identify those things in yourself, ask the land, and ask yourself how to solve them and ultimately come up with the answers for yourself. Mm -hmm. So it's no longer the client taking the problem to the provider for the solution, it's the individual going inside to identify what needs to get put down mm -hmm. and what needs to get picked up and coming back out with a new focus right and 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 some new tools in being able to do that mm -hmm. so i just i wanted to address that perfect and then your question yeah i want to know let's talk about veteran rights i mean this is all what we're leading up to and what these ancient rights are all about and you know you looked at the problem you saw the problem you guys experienced it you went the way that was the traditional Western model way. Uh, and, and like myself, I found that I couldn't go that Western. I, I personally couldn't go that Western model way. I didn't have a access to the VA, so I had to find a different alternative. And it was what was the, the journey home that, that brought me to where I'm sitting to today and being able to share this stuff out to, out to the world. Um, you guys found the same thing. So how, how, did you, how did veteran rights come to be? I'm going to say that I'm going to say that it found us. Mm. It found us because we were ready for it. And and I personally was ready for it because I was beat down. Yeah. And I was at the end of my rope. And and I had tried everything else uh including isolation and staring at a pistol and wondering what it would taste like. And I tried uh, a mountain of drugs and hypodermic needles. And I thought about what it would be like to push a hot dose and, and leave the earth that way. Uh, and when that didn't register as, as a viable option, uh, I came home hungry and empty, like a, like a hollow bone, ready to absorb something new and different. Uh, and I'll get into the hippy dippy stuff because I know that that's one of the questions. <laughs> yeah, we're going to get into that. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I ended up in Olympia, Washington, uh, working for Garden Ray's Bounty uh, and surrounded by the polar opposite community from everything that we had ever experienced in the military. Very progressive, uh, anti-oppression, food justice uh, crusaders. Uh, and it changed my life, uh, putting my hands in the soil and, 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 and working with plants and working with people. Uh, so <clears throat> that, was, that was the beginning of it. And it was the opening that I needed to experience nature in the way that I did that had me asking more questions. And so, uh, you know, the long story short, short story long is I was riding around in a truck with uh, a very good friend of mine. We were building uh, community gardens on the Chehalis Reservation. Um, and, and I was dumping out poison and toxicity around transition from service and what I experienced in service. And, uh, and, I, and I told him that I wanted to go on a vacation. And, 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 and you've seen the video. Uh, mm -hmm. And I told him not the kind of vacation where you're wearing the Mickey Mouse hats uh, or standing with the Grand Canyon and the tour buses in the background but the type of vacation where I could go out and dig a hole and scream mm -hmm. into it. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and I know we'll talk about a, that a little bit more later, uh, but, but essentially the reason I say it found us is, is, is because um, he happened to be a gentleman who had had his own experiences with rites of passage mm -hmm. uh, and rites of passage training and vision quests and vision fasts. And, he was able to communicate to me in a way that I was able to hear uh, the significant and important pieces of it in a way, uh, yeah, in a way that I was able to hear. So mm -hmm. I, you know, that's how veteran rights came to be. I went out and had my own vision quest experience. 
before I left on that Vision Quest experience, I was paranoid. I was terrified of outdoor crowded spaces. Yeah. I woke up three to four times a night, four to five nights a week to check the locks on all the doors. I was socially awkward. Yeah. I had gone through all the things that I had mentioned before, drug and alcohol addiction, sex, sex, uh, trying to kill myself, wanting to kill myself, all that stuff, yeah. none of it worked. Um, I carried a pistol with me everywhere I went. And then I found my ass sitting out in the desert in the Kingston mountain range and a lot of really fascinating things happened. And when I came home, I was home. Yeah. 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 Wow. Oh man. Uh, And that's such a profound journey. Uh, And uh, for you to have been able to share that, thank you so much for sharing that uh, Mark with us. And uh, you know, it is, it's a profound journey and these ancient rituals and ancient rites of passage uh, allow us to have these profound experiences within ourselves, a uh, transcendental experience, a reunification with ourselves in a way that allows us to finally come home, like you said, coming home here. I had chronic depression. I I had contemplated suicide. I had nightmares of apocalypse. It was horrible, horrible, horrible times. And there was nothing that could, I couldn't, I drank, I medicated, and, and it wasn't until I became open to this idea of the, of the soldier's heart uh, model that I became, I found, my de- I found my way to a different destiny. And, and I think people hearing this need to know this is real stuff. Ryan, could you share a little bit for you about how veterans' came, rights came to be for you? Well... And I love what Mark said. And, and, and also, Charlie, I, I want to honor uh, you sharing your vulnerability as well with us. You know, this, we're, we're all in this together. Yeah. That means a lot. Um, I'm, I had felt the call. I had felt the call within myself uh, to, to come out to the land. And I had an avenue of approach uh, with, with Mark. Um, to be part of the first of, uh, of, of seven to be out there for an all veterans uh, vision fast. Um, and, and I would like to acknowledge uh, with, with Molly and Earl um, and, and Dustin and Chris, uh, you know, um, <laughs> it was wild and it was out there, right? So I said, you know, coming from Vegas, I was indigenous to nowhere. Right. I grew up in, you know, in the shadow of the strip and uh, neon lights and didn't have a relationship with the wilderness. But I knew that I was spinning out of control. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, within all the other modes of life, I still had scorpions in my head um, and in my relationships and at the, at the job site. And I was like, there's got to be a better way. It was just a knowing. And, and I almost mm-hmm. don't like to say ancient sometimes because it's here right now. Yes. And it is waiting. It was waiting for me. Right. And so it was out there. And actually, I pulled out my book from my first rite of passage. And, you know, it was within that practice of counsel and truly finding that form to be in true relationship with my brothers and sisters and elders. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, Which is so lost within just in our day to day as society Um, and learning how to be bored. (laughs) is part of it and learning how to be angry you know we talked about the four walls and fluorescent lights i um things that you can are not allowed to be is wild Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. and there's something about that 
in, in a relationship with power, particularly with veterans, right? Like when we've had our finger on a 50 cal, we know what our power can do, mm-hmm. or we're going to kick down a door. And then so I, we find, and myself included, I, when I came back from military service, I spoke a little softer. I wouldn't look people in the eyes, right? And then I've overcome that anxiety. And so there's this relationship with power and that, you know what, you can, I could have a healthy relationship with my wild power mm-hmm. and what a freaking uh, relief that was. Cause then I stopped judging myself yeah. and here are the, I'm just quickly the list of things that I were able to, and had formed to leave out on the land through a self-generated ceremony was fear, anxiety, stomach knots, letting people down, guilt, sadness, timidity, the past, suicidal ideation, shame, judging myself yep. and desires, freedom, bad health, you name it, you name it, you name it. I threw all of that shit into the river and I felt free. Yes. You feel free with these things. You feel free. Uh, it's so beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Ryan. Uh, you do. And a lot of times, you know, people think this stuff is just, uh, you know, hippy dippy stuff. Right. And I, I know, uh, Mark, you talked about it in one of your videos on your website, you know, this and it made me laugh because, you know, a lot of veterans out there to them, this is just hippy dippy stuff and hippy dippy shit. And unfortunately, after the Vietnam experience, uh, and I'm going to guess that the majority of veterans have a really negative reaction to anything associated with the hippie, hippie culture. And I, I get it. And since you mentioned it on the video, you know, I want to ask you, Mark, how do we bridge this gap? How can we educate warriors, veterans, soldiers, airmen that, that these rights of return that the Native Americans did, that the Greeks did, that the Romans did, even the Hebrew warriors under Moses did, that there's, that's not exclusive to the hippie culture. This is actually a rightful inheritance as warriors from these ancient warrior traditions to help us come back to help us find our way back to ourselves, back to our families, our friends, and our communities as fully functioning members of the society once again. How can we do it? Uh, well, Charlie, I think you just did it to about 90,000 people. Thanks, <laughs> 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 Mark. Opportunities like this to talk about it, opportunities yeah. uh, you know, to, to share about it, and, and, and most specifically, uh, when, when, when those brave folks who decide to grab a hold of something deep down inside of themselves and pick up that proverbial telephone and answer it and answer the call and they come out, uh, th- that's, that's how we do it. That's how we get the message out there is people coming out and experiencing it for themselves, yeah. period. I get because, it. Yeah, that's it. Uh, do you think this makes you weaker in any way by getting in touch with your emotions and feelings and you know, as warriors, do you think it makes us less powerful uh, more that we, that we lose our strength and our courage when we confront these wounds of our past, or does it make us stronger in the end, better warriors and wiser? I, I absolutely do not believe that this makes us weaker. Okay, good. Uh, although, <laughs> although the military would, would, would believe that it does, and probably a lot of our parents, uh, specifically our fathers, uncles, and, 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 and male figures in our lives would think that it would make us weaker. Uh, but it doesn't. Mm-hmm. I, it, it is a it is a it is a courageous act to go to combat, and mm-hmm. I or to to sign up for military service. Period is a courageous act. Mm-hmm. Uh, for me personally, it is a hundred times more courageous to go inside of ourselves to get vulnerable, 
and to express that vulnerability in in in, in and amongst a group of our peers. Mm -hmm. That that is that is a that is the single most courageous act. Ryan, what do you think? You know, there's a lot. Go ahead, go ahead. I'm sorry, Mark. I didn't mean to interrupt you, sir. You know, there's there's a lot of great literature out there and a lot of great books you know uh the, the path of the sacred warrior it talks about the heart of the warrior post-service mm -hmm. is of sadness yeah yeah you know ryan what do you think what is your uh how do you feel you know is this something that made you weaker by being able to tap into your emotions and uh or did it you know did it take sap your strength did it sap you were you like samson did you cut off your hair and you no longer had your strength back <laughs> or does it make you stronger in the end and 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 better and wiser yeah so coming into the fullness of my being does not make me weaker ah. um and I, I, mark brought it up but you know I always say I walk with a wounded heart, man, no matter, no matter, and being joyous and playful is all part of this too, right? We haven't talked about that, right? Like, you know, we, our wholeness of our being, that part of us, which needs to get things done, that part of us that is beyond concept, that part is playful and a kid and selfish, that part that is, you know, very thoughtful and contemplative and a little bit dark and, you know, the, the adolescent kid with the, with the, you know, the heavy metal on, right? Anything's all right. So that is all part of us. We are all light and we are all shadow, right? And we're all perfect and beautiful just the way that we are. Yeah. And I, we haven't really brought it up yet. When we talk about the word warrior, we have to recognize our women as well, mm -hmm. right? And they haven't been brought up a lot. And the courage to have gone through military service and endured military sexual trauma we'll call what it is rape mm -hmm. to come out to the land within circle and in ceremony with, with with gentlemen that look exactly like the people that perpetuated that sort of violence that is courage yes. and that is not weakness yes. right and I, the medicine and and the wisdom that i've gained from being in circle with the men and the women willing to be vulnerable and share their story because we will be damn pressed if, by, if in 2047, someone from Afghanistan and Iraq, those wars opens up for the first time. Because mm -hmm. mm -hmm. when we have our Vietnam veterans, you know, come on out and share their wisdom, we, we I, I feel like I'm, I'm witnessing one of the greatest gifts. It's the sharing of the human witness. spirit. It's a sharing, sharing of the sharing human, of the human spirit. spirit, right? Yep. And there's absolutely nothing weak about that. Not and these hip, this quote, dippy dippy stuff, um, embodiment, right? Yeah. Like learning how to walk, talk like a soldier, sailor, airman, marine, to actually move to the soft animal skin of your body, that is not weakness. That is our animal nature, and that is beautiful. I love it. I love it, Ryan. I love it. Guys, we're going to go over just a few minutes. Are you guys okay with that? Yeah, because I want to make sure that I get uh, enough so that people know about the work that you guys are doing. And Mark, if you could start off with this about, you know, you know your rights of return. What, what happens, Mark, at a, rights, a right of return ceremony? Mark, you there? Yeah, I'm still here. I'm going to pass to Ryan. 
Okay. Ryan, you want to go ahead and tell me what, uh, what happens at a right of return ceremony? Everything. Yeah. <laughs> Everything that happens within life. Um, but the framework of the ceremony is based upon uh, very ancient principles of that you need to sever from that which is, mm -hmm. right? And so severance, a life review, coming together in circle for four days and forgetting about the phone and what you have to do back at home and truly being present. And that is why we go out into the wilderness, mm -hmm. right? That is why we give ourselves that self-care and that time and that quote vacation. And within that, 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 within that time frame of severance, we think about, and we're thinking about our intention of who we want to be after military service or just in general as a human being, mm -hmm. right? And developing an intention that we're gonna take out and land in the next phase, and that's called uh, crossing the threshold, right? And that's where the mystery resides. That's where we receive our wisdoms and uh, our time out on the land where we experience all of those things that we experience in life. The anger, the boredom, the mystery, the inspiration, the pain, the deep anger, we leave that out there on the land. Mm -hmm. And we do what we need to do to die a symbolic death. And if we wanna get tactical around those four days, uh, it is very minimal. So we fast for those four days and you have water and you have the spirit <laughs> of, of all of those that are out there doing the same your brothers and sisters, right? Working out what they need to work out to harness their internal teacher. Mm -hmm. And what happens within those four days when they come back from the mountain, they come back and return and they share that story and it is listened to as so deeply and mirrored back to you in such a way that you cannot leave there not knowing fully who you are, what your purpose is in life and that you truly belong in this world. And then you take that and you incorporate that in corpus into the body and we say what you claim out there really plays out for the rest of your life, but for the next year, right? And when you claim who you are in this world and are seen for who you are in this world, the, the world acts accordingly. <laughs> Absolutely. And so uh, with veteran rights as well, you know, for the next year, and now that we've received some, some, some investment and are um, amping up our programming, that, that we are going to be there with our are courageous warriors that come out after they claim who they are and support each other and watch them and be their biggest cheerleaders as they spread their gifts out into the world. That's brilliant. Is that a good start? That's a great start. I love it. That's amazing. Really fantastic. And how does this work? How does your approach um, and either one of you uh, fill the void in conventional approaches to PTSD and suicide? How? at this right of return and the circle of return veterans council. We have a beautiful relationship with silence, Charlie. That's uh, one of the things that we learn out good. there on the land as well. Yeah. Cause we're, we, we thoughtful, you know, we're thoughtful and, and we want to come to the heart uh, from the heart when we talk. Um, I think there is a hypothesis here that, you know, if there was an opportunity for those that were exiting service to come into the wholeness of their building, uh, being through ceremony like this, that that would be the ultimate prevention. And that is not new. Mm -hmm. That 
is something indigenous cultures and war fighting cultures have been doing since time immemorial. That you would never have someone that has seen and felt and tasted war go directly to the family because if they do not transform their pain, they will definitely transmit it. Mm -hmm. And yeah. so when we start recognizing that we need to have these kind of ceremonies and modalities, when, some, when people exit or within the first six months of exiting service, uh, until we do that, we're just, as Mark said earlier, uh, perpetuating these modalities and expecting a different result. Mm -hmm. Well, I agree. And, uh, you know, these, uh, it was the Papago Indians. Uh, they had a beautiful ceremony. And I think uh, Mark was talking a little bit about wanting to go out and just scream into the, or to dig a hole and to scream out into the earth. And uh, they, one of the things that the Papagos would do is that they, once their warriors came in, they would isolate them into the middle of the of the tribe and they would be surrounded by their elder warriors and their medicine men and they would be allowed to grieve and cry but they wouldn't be allowed to go into their into the society they wouldn't be allowed to have sex or be fed until they got to the point where they could accept their destiny until it was cleansed of them and then they would go through the purification ceremonies the yelling the hollering getting that out and being able to share their stories, and then they would share their stories within the, within the community itself. Um, Mark, uh, who is this for, and who can come to a Rite of Return uh, ceremony? Uh, this is for any veteran who has ever served in a uniform in any branch of service. It's for Gold Star families, Gold Star moms. And also for our LGBTQ warriors, if, if you sign the dotted line, you are our brother or sister and however you identify. Mm -hmm. um, and, and especially for women warriors as well. Mm -hmm. It is for, because we're talking about the whole warrior, you know, and survivors of veteran suicide as well, right? It, it is a space for you as well. If you are part of within the military community, because we have a lot of people also that feel that they're not on the brink, right? That they're not on cliff's edge. And like you said, oh, maybe it's a little hippy-dippy or this, but you know what? Hey, this is the challenge. Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, there's a beautiful man named Josh that's going to be coming out with us in April, and he just said it really simply. Hey, man, I got into this with my brothers. I'm going to get out of it with my brothers. Yeah. Right? Can't say it any more clearly than that. Right? And there's an opportunity as well because um, the work we do out there, you know, we're doing for our families as well and our communities. Mm-hmm. You know, so it is actually being of service to those other service members that are coming out. And, and I particularly want to say, hey, Vietnam veterans, mm -hmm. if you never, and we know you didn't get the welcome home, you know, and we're, we may be a little bit younger here, but uh, your seat is waiting for you. And we, we could not wait to hold you and, and see you for all of who you are and uh, be witness to your wisdom and your, your gifts. You are absolutely needed and loved mm. and respected for what you have done and who you are. I would fully and wholeheartedly agree with you there. My dad's a Vietnam veteran, and boy, oh boy, they, we love him to death. And uh, what he uh, was able to do and survive is, uh, is amazing. And uh, being able to bring all of those guys home is important. You know, and I have a, my heart goes out to them. Um, what do you both love most about your work and how can people and organizations support your movement? Did I lose Mark? 
Mark, yeah, I think Mark left. All right. Well, hey, I'll 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 talk to the bat. Okay. That's all right. Sure. Um. What do I love most about my work? Yeah. I get to deal with crazy veterans every day, man. <laughs> in, in, in all the ways, like the wild, playful ways, yeah. the irreverent, um, the angry. I get to be around people that are um, just authentic and real, mm-hmm. you know. And so, you know, I left a trajectory of, you know, the three-piece suits and um, all that kind of stuff. Uh with an opportunity to do this day in and day out and provide a container for people to heal themselves mm-hmm. out in community out in, and out in ceremony. So this is like, this is not a job. This is a vocation for me and a yeah. mission. And so I, I think I'm one of the rare people on earth that uh, get to live their dream job, That's awesome. you know, and, you know, I'm calling you from veteran rights headquarters, which is in the basement of my home right now. And, you know, so we are grassroots, <laughs> and uh, but we have a documentary coming out that called "Leaving It on the Land" uh, by Warrior Films. It's going to be amazing, mm-hmm. and you'll hear more about that. And um, you know, we're moving up to two ceremonies next year. How can people get involved and support? First of all, answer the call. Mm-hmm. Go to the events page. We have two ceremonies, April and June next year. Uh, reach out to us. Let's spread the practice of counsel. And then, of course, you know, uh, we have a relationship with money, and, and it's tough to have that with ceremony, but you know what? Uh, I used to be afraid to ask for money, but now, you know, what else could you do for a few thousand dollars for a veteran but to truly bring them home? Right. You spend more, we, most of us spend more of that on coffee per year. Mm-hmm. So right now, if you go to the Veteran Rights, veteran rights website, we have a match up to $25,000 from a wow. generous uh, donor. Absolutely. And, you know, the idea is, you know, we have 24 seats in ceremony next year. Why, why wouldn't a VFW post or American Legion post or Vietnam Veterans of America sponsor someone to come home fully, yeah. right? So we, it is almost near the end of the year, so we would appreciate uh, some, some financial support. But then also if people want to get involved in terms of, like, coming out going to training, mm-hmm. being part of our movement, also with partnerships as well. We're not the only ones that do beautiful work. You know, there are those like, um, you know, Save a Warrior and those like Project Sanctuary, our partners out there trying to do this work, bringing people home fully. Yeah. So please go to the website, please reach out. Um, you know, this is, this is my life. <laughs> and and, and I'm, I'm honored to be a, a part of it. And so anytime that I can also put uh, Mark Arofsky's mouth in front of a, a microphone or yeah. <laughs> a, any sort of a TEDx talk or something like that. That is my job. Yeah. Well, thank, thank you, Ryan. I, I, and I could see the passion that you have and the love of the work that you're doing. And, uh, you know, it's it, please, folks, if you can, support them at www.veteranrights.org. That's V-E-T-E-R-A-N-R-I-T-E-S.org. And please uh, support them and the veterans that are needing help. Uh, They're doing the work, and they're having amazing results. And, Ryan, before we go, I always ask my guests before we close out the show, uh, if you could give one piece of advice, one bit of wisdom from your life experience, what would it be? Um, 
have more curiosity than you do certainty because that will always lead you to humility. I've, I've never uh, been the smartest guy in the room. I've, I've never been the strongest, but I've always just put myself around people like Mark, like yourself, um, like others uh, that have pulled me up and mentored me. And through that, I've, I've gained a lot of humility, strength, and uh, wisdom. So curiosity before certainty and with that humility. I love it. Love it, sir. Thank you so much. Thank you, Mark, as well, for being on the show. It's been an honor uh, to share the things that you, have, you guys have gone through, the organization that you have built to help veterans out there. And thank you, thank you, sir. Um, really appreciate it. Uh, folks, thank We're you so much. Honored to hold space with you. It's been thank an you. honor, sir. Uh, thank you so much, folks, for tuning into the council today. I wish you all a very Merry Christmas and a Happy Holidays. Uh, we will be back next year. We've got some great guests lined up for you coming next year. And just want to appreciate for reach out to all of those people who tune in. Thank you so much from around the world. Thank you, KUHS, Denver, and Henry, everybody here at the studio. Without you, boy, this show couldn't be possible. Folks, thank you so much. The council is adjourned. May you all be well. May you all be free of pain and suffering, and may you all be whole. God bless.